1: I'm locked up in memories,
0: they all intertwine. The memories
2: in my my, mind, I know tomorrow,
1: cause that zone will come.
0: You will never know. What you've done.
1: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Stop Child Abuse Now Scan Radio Show Number Three One Four Two. Stop Child Abuse Now is brought to you by NASCA, the National Association of Adult Survivors of child abuse. The mission statement of NASCA is this. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And on Tuesday and Thursday nights, we have a question and answer call-in discussion with a survivor professional using an open mic forum. We feature a survivor professional co-host who will field topics brought to the episode by you, the listener. Tonight's special guest is Cherie White from Covington, Tennessee, an anti-bullying advocate and author of three books, who uses her own story of being bullied and gaslighted to help those enduring the same abuse today. Quote, in sixth grade, I began a long lesson in the human predator-prey dynamic and a battle for my dignity, safety, and my very soul, unquote. At first, a long lesson in the oh sorry. At first, she took the physical beatings, name calling, and abuse. Cherie was a victim of what is called polyvictimization. In just six months, she went from being a kid who always made the honor roll to an angry and bitter girl who made only she's and D's. Who would, who could concentrate on schoolwork? She asks. Cherie attempted suicide at the age of 14 quote, because I felt powerless. I began to bully those who were even weaker than me in attempts to grab back some of my power, unquote. On these episodes, we welcome various co-hosts, survivor professionals who assist in fielding questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call-in participants. Their trauma-informed perspectives, as survivor professionals, help them guide discussions on the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality that spring from question and topics brought to us by our listeners. Everyone's invited to engage on tonight's show. Please visit the NASCA.org website. And now I will introduce our host, Victoria Kelly.
2: Hi there. Thank you, Annie. This is uh, Victoria awesome. Kelly, longtime NASCA member, and uh, um, I'm the Minnesota ambassador for NASCA. And our uh, guest is not on yet, so I do want to mention a couple things. And um, one is that uh, we are starting up a newsletter um, again, which hasn't been um, put out for a while. And uh, if you want to um, be on the list to get a newsletter, you can go to nasca.org and there's a place to sign up. Also, um, uh, we um, are in need of donations as we do not get grants or government funding. It's just self-supporting through people's contributions. And you can go to NAFSA.org slash contributions for that. And I want to remind everybody that April is Child Abuse Awareness and Prevention Month. And a lot of people just say awareness, but I make sure to say prevention as well. And there's a lot of tools on the NASCA website for prevention, um, intervention, and um, awareness. And uh, it's a really good uh, site to go on, and I've been referring it lately to parents um, who want to talk to their kids about, you know, um, safety, body safety, and uh, to get kids at a younger age to be able to go to their parents instead of the old stranger danger. I don't know if you remember that, in, but it was a creepy guy, guy behind the bushes that was ready to lunge out at you. And, you know, the people that were strangers to me were the police and the teachers and, you know, it was a family that was being abused and friends of the family, neighbor, neighbor people that I knew. And the strangers were all the people I put away to get help. And so there's a lot of good information. And then all our stories are described as, and you said we're over 3,000 uh, episodes that you can go over and can listen to um, at your leisure. So if you couldn't make tonight's show, um, what was the scan number again? I'm sorry, um, it was 3142. Okay, so we got 3,142 other episodes, or including tonight, um, that you can listen to. And uh, as I say, if you listen to enough uh, Enough of the stories that are on there. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night, we have uh, survivors come on and tell their story. And uh, we're also looking for survivors to tell their stories. So if you know of anybody or you yourself would like to, um, Bill Murray, the founder, is, is on the website. My phone number's on there. Um, there's email addresses, everything. Please get a help hold of us because, um, you know, we want to be a forum for especially the newcomer that's uh, coming in and and probably doesn't really know uh, that there are other people out there with similar stories. And uh, we want to be there for for you. And a good way to find out more information is call in and uh, be a panel member. And all that means is call in the phone number that Annie had given you, and that's on the website. And uh, you can just either listen or if you decide you want to ask a question, they um, comment to the speaker, um, this is the way that we network with each other, and we share our information, and we grow from it. And that's part of the healing process is connecting with other survivors, at least that has been my experience. That's helped me more than a lot of professionals sometime because I don't feel like I'm alone. I don't feel like I'm different or crazy, you know, any of those feelings I had for a long time because I was really hit, really, you know, trapped into shame. So uh yeah, we welcome you and and we always need uh volunteers and it's, you know, we've got some things that you can do that's not like a huge commitment, you know. And uh we wanna you know, invite you all to come. So and our guest is not here. So Annie, would you like to share anything?
1: Oh, well, um Gee, Sheree always has such good topics. I didn't come up with any topic. Um, I will read the phone number out so that people can call in yeah. to propose topics and ask questions. The phone number you can call, and I'm the one who answers the phone. I'm Annie. The number is 646-595-2118. 646 595 Two one one eight, and uh, you can call and and tell us a little bit about your own story if you like, and uh, talk about any any topic related to child abuse and recovery and prevention,
2: as Victoria said.
1: Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Victoria, do you have in mind well, anything that we could talk about tonight? Well,
2: um I once uh I did a yeah, I did a presentation once on uh, um advocating for ourselves and um ah. you know, empowering ourselves. And uh a lot of people that I know out here in Minnesota because we have a lot of programs where like PCAs, personal care attendants and, and other mental health professionals can come into your home and help you do things. And uh, you know, I, I just wanna get across the fact that you know, you can have these workers, you can have these therapists and stuff, but, you know, it ultimately comes down to what do you want to do with your life? What changes do you want to make in your life? And uh, you can have a lot of workers, a lot of helpers, a lot of services, but unless you just what it is that you need, you know, they can come in and say, well, you know, we can get you energy assistance or help get in the food help or this or that. But if you've got other things and other goals that you want to do, you know you can surely pursue them. And um, you know they used to say, "I've got tools in my toolkits and like coping mechanisms," you know. And uh, so I did a presentation for NAMI, the National Association. And of course, for the mentally ill, they haven't changed it to mental health because it would really mess up their initial NAMI, <laughs> so I kind of stuck with it. <laughs> but anyway, quite a quite a few years back, and. I didn't like the tool belt thing, you know, so I put um, um, the jewels in your treasure chest.
0: And, Ooh, uh, yeah. And just
2: a great treasure chest with these jewels I made out of pegboard. And I wrote coping skills on them. And uh, one is uh, that I remember is distraction. And, uh, you know, when you get really overwhelmed and stuff, um, wonder, you know, what are some ways that you can distract yourself? And uh, one of the things I did was um, take a piece of paper and, and write fun things I like to do, you know, like play music or draw or go for a walk or watch a show or something like that, you know. But I had a whole list of them, and every time I thought of something, I went and wrote it on the wall. So whenever I'd start getting these bad memories and bad thoughts and flashbacks and stuff, I was automatically drawn to look at that piece of paper. You know, I mean, because we've got to change the thought process, you know, in dwelling on things that I couldn't do anything about were not helpful. <laughs> it was not uh-huh. helpful. And, you know, that was one thing that I did, uh, just one, you know, coping uh, strategy that that I was getting. Um, I know that when I first started, like, art therapy and stuff, they give us all these crayons and tell us to draw this or, that or the other thing. Um, it was really good because I went home and my kids were little so I had plenty of crayons, you know, and paper. So I'd get out a piece of paper and I'd get a red pencil, a red uh, uh, crayon and a black crayon and just start scribbling. Just like, I don't know what it was about those two colors. When I got done scribbling on that paper, I felt a so little better. And, and I, you mm. know, I do a lot of therapy types of things, but... You know, that's not how I started out. I started out with scribbling and just getting Mm -hmm. some of those feelings that I couldn't put into words, you know, or couldn't put into pictures or nothing. And then some people like the distraction of those adult coloring books, you know, where you just focus on the little little line things, you know, the little shapes. And then you come out with a big picture. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, and then journaling was a good thing for me. But... I, I read this book called The Artist's Way, and it's got a um, it's by Julia Cameron, and, and then you can get a workbook along with it, and it's pretty expensive. But if you go on eBay, they're really cheap. <laughs> I, to I have yet. done
1: that book. Uh, I I have worked out that, yeah. that program. Yeah. The oh, Artist's cool. Way. It's
2: great. Yep. And I went to a place that for it was people for long term mental health issues, and it was called. The Artist's Way Dream Cafe, and we kind of went by that book, but but more did the art, art and stuff, you know, and uh, set up poetry readings and art shows and things like that. But um, mm-hmm. the one point I like in that book is everybody is creative, you know, because people say, oh, I wish yes. you could be an artist, I wish you could be a writer, you know, this and that. And, and the thing I really like that she points out is, you know, we really got, like, you know, you tell somebody, oh, just journal, and People get out a piece of paper or go buy a special journal and they're so worried about penmanship and punctuation and grammar and it makes us stuck. And in that book, it talks about just write, you know, write any way you want, write big sometimes or little sometimes or a picture here and there, whatever, you know, just this is your journal. It's not like, you know, you're showing it to the world. This is for you, for your healing. And then also with like drawing, you know, people go, oh, I can't write. So I have a piece of paper with a pencil. They say, can you write a sentence? So they might write the cat ran across the road, you know, and they hand it back to me. And, and I look at it and look at it and I go, guess what? You're a writer. <laughs> and then they'll say, oh, I wish I could draw. And I say, well, can you draw a stick figure? And they're like, well, yeah. So I give them a piece of paper and a pencil. And they draw a stick figure. And I get it Just look at it really intensely and go. You're an artist, you know, I because there's no right or wrong way to do it. And so I go to this other right. place you now for artists, um, again, with long-term mental health issues called art, Artworks here in Minneapolis. And um, they're trying to get um, the people that come to the meetings to run some of the groups. And I said, well, is anybody interested in writing? She said, oh, we get asked all the time for people that would be willing to run classes for writing. And I said, well, I want to do a writing group. I said, and I've wanted to do it for a while. And it's called, it's going to be called, misspelling words, using incorrect grammar, and writing out, or coloring outside the lines. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's going to be the name of the class. <laughs> you know, because most of us, are, we will teach you how to write the correct way. You know, and yeah, punctuation, And, and it's going to be you no. Know, <laughs> The more you miss spell words, the more you color sidelines, the, the better you're doing in the class. <laughs> a right. lot of people get past that failure, you know. And I know you do some, some uh, arts and craft stuff, too. You want to check a little bit about that, maybe how that helps with your recovery or how that helps with your healing? Oh, yes,
1: I do a great deal of arts and craft stuff, mostly crafts, I would say. I do crocheting every day. Every day I sit down with my crochet. I like to do really simple projects that Uh are just the same stitch repeated over and over and over again. Just single crochet all Mm the way. And because I don't have your mental health. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. I was just wondering
2: if that was good for your mental health and how. It Uh is.
1: They actually say that the right-hand, left-hand motion of knit and crochet is good for the brain because it crosses uh-huh. the barrier between the right brain and the left brain. huh Interesting. That's what they say. It's supposed to be good for us, so I yeah. do it. And it makes me happy. Yeah. And I like to give yeah. away, like I make little tiny toys and I give them to people, and that makes me happy.
2: Oh, that's sweet. That's really
1: I also write, because I'm a writer, that's what I do for money, and so I write every Mm -hmm. day, but I write Mm -hmm. in different ways. I do the artist way method, which is to write three pages nonstop in the morning, just whatever comes Mm -hmm. to your mind, just spill it out. Right. I do that, that's called morning pages, that's what she calls it, and then I also write when I'm working, so... I'm
2: writing all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> every day. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And so what what do you see in the difference as far as when you're writing for your work and you're writing for the artist's way, morning pages? Is there a different approach that, that you use for that? The morning pages the is pretty real... much just writing stuff out without, without punctuation, worrying about grammar and stuff. Yeah,
1: and also without trying to... Be make one sentence related to the next one. You just write whatever comes uh-huh. into your mind. You don't try to put it together into a story or anything. Uh-huh. Just let yeah. it all come out. You know, mine often yeah. do end up being stories anyway, because that's how I write. Yeah. I write
2: in stories, so. um Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you can do well, it my, any my time of the day. It
2: yeah, it's not just the morning, yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, but a you know, recommends- uh, morning routine, you know, or something, and it's people are like, well, you know, I've been up since 10, and it's noon, so it's not really morning anymore. But you know what? I always tell people, you can start your day over any time you want. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because time That's is a concept
1: right.
2: of, anyway. of, of people that, you know, um, live by a clock, and I don't live by a clock, you know. I can be up at 3 in the morning, and, and to me it's because that's I do my day stuff you know that people normally do during the day and my daughter's like mom I think you just need to get a job from nine to five and I said I'm not a nine to five kind of person (laughs) right
1: someone has called in let me go and answer
2: that phone okay Okay. Okay, sure and and so the morning pages when I start out writing them if if we have listeners here Um, I would write just things like, you know, my dog wants to go out and he's all excited and, uh, got dishes in the sink. I'll probably get them done and maybe I won't. And, oh, I've got a orange pillow on the couch that I really enjoy. And I got to go grocery shopping sometimes this week and I want to make, uh, pork chops someday and just different things, just whatever comes out. And, uh, it's been very helpful. Uh, and, you know, if you miss a day here or there or, you know, you pick up and start getting momentum and stop for a while, now let's pick things up again, you know. And I liked how Annie said that she likes giving away things to make sure happy, you know, and it's really important to do things that make us happy and that we, we try to find things that make us happy. A friend of mine just went to a movie today, but she normally doesn't go out and do things just by herself and just go out and do stuff. Came back and said, well, the movie wasn't that great, but he says, uh, I went, and I says yeah, important thing is you went out and tried it. And I said, just because you go out and try something does not mean that, you know, you're going to enjoy everything you go out and try, but that's how you find out what you like and what you don't like, you know. And things you don't like, you can know, do again. And things you like, you repeat. So I think we can all learn that you know, that to take risks. You don't have to be big risk like, you know, um, um, climbing some huge mountain or bungee jumping, you know, <laughs> it could be, you know, a risk could be just going out if you haven't gone out for a while and go to a thrift store or something and you know spend a little money on yourself like maybe you haven't in the past and just to reward yourself with something like have done. So I mean, just you know, it doesn't it can be whatever's making you happy. Got not. Just so. not. Victoria Carroll has joined us. Oh, fantastic. Good. <laughs> Hi, Carol. Yeah,
0: yeah
2: Victoria. I'm yeah, here, we were talking We should talk about some, uh, about some uh, coping mechanisms and coping skills. And uh we were talking about I don't know if you've ever heard of the Artist Way Book. Uh Annie and I have both um gone through that and used that. And it's got also um it's got a book and then it's got a companion journal that goes along with that. And It's pretty expensive, but if you go on eBay, you can get it pretty reasonable, and it basically talks a lot about that we're all creative. Like what I tell people, especially survivors, is that you had to be creative to get where you are today, <laughs> you
1: know? Well, used mm-hmm. a lot of
2: creative ways, to, you know, mm-hmm. to get here, and, uh, but, you know, even if you're a stick figure, you're an artist, if you can write a sentence across the road, you're a, you're a writer, you know? and we we limit ourselves by you know saying that we're not this or we're not that, and if you really want to learn how to do something like you want to learn how to do better at grammar or you want to write a book doesn't mean you have to edit it, it doesn't mean you have to have the correct grammar, you know just get stuff out and this is for you, you know this is for you for inner healing work not not um like when I wrote my book, I didn't. I didn't write it for anybody or get any money. I just wrote it because I had to get okay. out the feelings that were inside of me and some of the memories, and that's that's how it started, you know. And I didn't make any I money like on that. that. I self-published the book. Yeah, I self-published a book, and I just took all these writings because people said, oh, I love that writing, I love that writing. So I just took a bunch of them and uh, photocopied the pages and took a picture of me when I was a year old and asked somebody on MySpace, There's, I'm dating myself, if they would make it look like it was coming through a tunnel and it called a journey within a survivor story and I don't know it was just some uh, of my my poetry or not even poetry because nothing rhymes I guess they call it prose and uh, yeah. let front, went and then punched uh, punched all the pages and got the spiral binding the plastic and bound them all myself and then I sold them for double what I paid to put them together and um, gave ni- sold 90 and gave 90 away. Well, that email came out. I mean, this is how far back we're talking. And so I just started emailing it to people, you know, because that's exactly. what I wanted. I wanted other survivors, you know, um, working with survivors and then just people that are curious um, to get this information. That was all that was right. important. People are going, to make a lot of money. I said, that's the point of it you know well let me say tell tell
3: something right victoria let me, let me let me say something yeah. here because I, there's a sure. look,
0: yeah
3: i have said this before like when i wrote my book so many years ago now cuz i've been on the show 12 years right so i wrote that's about when i wrote my book um i was the only one except for one other person that wrote a book their memoirs right now i never expected from my book to go as far as it did, to be honest with you It went to Japan mm-hmm. And right now it's in, in Down under <laughs> What is that, Australia or something right. so Down under But you see, the point of the whole thing is A lot of times when we write our books Look, we're, we're, we're authors A lot of us are authors, right? Or we write music yeah. or, or we do art um, I can only do stick figures I can't, I can't draw at all Or whatever we do Okay, it's very good for us, and because we've walked the walk, it's very good for other people too. Yeah, and and I—I never—I didn't, you know. I was getting—you said something that hit a little chord on me, you uh, know—not exactly a trigger, but when I first wrote wrote my book, no, let me say, when I first wrote my book, um, the first company I was with, they said it was too volatile. They didn't want it. They're their department, their, uh, their lawyers said, get rid what of the book, is too volatile. It? That's 12 years ago. What do they mean
0: by okay? that? What My do they mean
3: by that Well, what do I mean by that? They said that the content was too volatile. Mm-hmm. They wanted me to make a trailer. I think this is interesting, and people who are writers mm-hmm. out there should listen. Um, they wanted me to make a trailer. I had to give them $1,400 to do that. I'm telling you this. And, uh, okay, that sounded good to me. And uh, their uh, their department said, forget about it. The attorney said it's too volatile. So then Author House picked me up, and there was no more trailers done or anything else. My book went all over the world, and and quite frankly, I didn't get any more money for, any more royalties, and I don't care. I don't care. Because you see, we are the survivors And I think that um, what we're meant to do, what we're meant to do is to teach other people, okay, about child abuse, and this is what we do, right, Um, by telling our stories, and then also, too, by helping people, whichever way we do it, whether it be through presentations or whether it be through me, the night owl, I've done both, still a night owl, Um, whatever we do. Because I think we're the ones that are going to truly help people because a lot of times the professors do not have the knowledge that we have. I found that out in classes that I took and uh, even the police department, yeah. all right? They didn't. No. They don't know enough about child abuse, all right? And, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, look at the positions they get into at times when they're called for domestic violence. They could get shot, too, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's just so yeah, many things... Dangerous. Yeah, it right. is dangerous. And there's just so many things that um, we, the survivors, can help people with. So whether it be writing yeah. a book or doing presentations or, or doing art, um, when I did my yeah. presentations, I had two Nazca people draw pictures for me. And at the mm-hmm. end of the presentation, I had them displayed, right? They were big. And oh, uh, people were going up with their camera and taking pictures yeah. of the pictures. Yeah, <laughs> I thought yep. that was cool.
2: I yep. know. So, I know. This, I know. Well, you this heard is how starting we do up the, um, Starting up the newsletter again, and I just want to remind people that we are looking for people to write, um, you know, write their poetry or draw some pictures or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, get them to me. And my email is A is an ample, three H's like horse, 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 the letter uh-huh. S is Sam, number one, at Outlook.com. And uh, Amy Anna Soto, who is also a Naxa member and uh, uh-huh. has been involved in things, um, her and I are getting it started up again. And we okay. want to try to get one out in April as, again, I want to remind people, is Child Abuse Awareness and Prevention Month. And I want to run prevention because most people just say awareness. And uh, we want to talk about prevention and intervention as well. And my thing is always, you know, um, that's nice to get a month, but really <laughs> we need every day of the year to be talking about this, you know. And that's why NAFTA doesn't show, you know, uh, mm-hmm. five nights a week. And we do the uh, Zoom meetings, you know, three times a week, peer support groups. That's right. And and we network among ourselves. And like I said before, we need some volunteers. And if you don't want to be out in front like, you know, Carol and I yeah. and other people do. Um, you know what? We get a lot of other stuff you can do that's behind the scenes. You know, you don't have to be, you know, out there. And, and you know, there's all different things that we need help with. And so don't, well, you, you know, know what? shy off because you have to run a radio show, right? <laughs> right, there, Right. Well, look, we're, we're
3: verbal, all right. <laughs> you and I are very verbal. Yes, we yeah. are, and and that's okay. It's it's good. I think it's like I always call myself the mouth, right? <laughs> the big mouth. I don't care. Yeah. Um. That's how we can. That's how we get information out that that we know about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like with the silent way of helping which I think is very, very good. And I've done this before, and I should start it up again. I'm really in a lot of pain, and I'm mind coding right now as I speak to you. So if I oh, talk okay. a little stupid, yeah, I know. So if I talk a little stupid, you can say, hey, Carol, you're acting stupid. I don't care. You know how I am. <laughs> all right. It's okay. It's all right. I don't care. Um, I'm not high from this, by the way. I'm just trying to get pain out yeah. of me. I, I took a full yeah. pill a few weeks ago, and, a full pill, yeah. and I walked into the wall. Oh, yes, I did. I bounced oh, off yeah. the wall. <laughs> Look, I have a good wow. sense of humor. You know I do, and I thought it was funny. Yeah. So now I'm yeah. only taking half, all right, And but it's mm-hmm. not quite as effective. So I'm in pain. Mm-hmm. But one thing I want to say here is that people can do – what I did years ago, and I'm going to start doing it again because there's so much trouble out there. So These kids, these poor kids. Look, I feel sorry for everybody. Yes. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. I worry about the kids because we were the kids, all right? And, and we know no. what it's like to be abused, whether it be physically, sexually, emotionally, neglected, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. So if you go to our website, for God's sake, make some copies, and go and, and yeah. put them in stores. Ask permission first. Yep. Okay. Um, ShopRite was very friendly to me. I don't know if you people have ShopRite yeah. out by you, but you know, ShopRite is what I yeah. deal with mostly. And they let me mm-hmm. put up all kinds of information. And um, right. that's a way, because people go over to the bulletin boards, Victoria. Yeah. Uh, right. For
2: yeah. Cars, I for, cars sale. for sale. <laughs> And I also go yeah. to um, hospitals and drop-in centers yep. for people with mental health, and I put the brochures there. You know, and they that's don't have my name right. on them, but they get them on the website, and that's what I really want people. Even when I give them the business cards with my number on, they say, "Don't worry about calling me. Go on and ask the website, because that's where the real information is." But you know, if you need to call me, that's okay too. You know, right? Absolutely. But, but that's what we're for. <laughs> NASA <And after laughs> the information. Lots of information. And I also want to say another way to um, really help people is go on the NASA support group. We get a closed group and an open group. And and just write a little bit about yourself or read a little bit and make a comment about something. You don't know how much that helps people, you know, to think, oh, boy, I'm not alone, you know. Maybe connect with that person. And it it can mean a world a world, a good tip for that person, maybe even for one day or one moment or whatever. Maybe it's for a lifetime to make friends that, you know, you know you've carried for uh-huh. years, you know, that it may turn a on, you know, Bill and, and just, you know, like I said, Amy and us helping me with the newsletter, and we, we talk to each other all the time. So you just don't know where relationships could go, and that's why we say, you know, you can't pick your family, but you can pick the NASCA family and be a NASCA family member. So that's a membership that you don't have to pay for by the way. <laughs>
3: well,
0: that's right.
2: That's right. It, it's a free membership I, I have... and you are the one it. Yeah.
3: Well you see we're here look, we're here we're here for each other, right? But we're also here for anyone who needs help. Okay. It doesn't matter who it is. And um yeah. sometimes this is so uh, I said this once before and people thought it was so funny but it's the truth. I have a couple people that uh, call me up, and the telephone conversation with those two lasts for about three or four minutes. And I hear,
0: uh-huh.
3: <laughs> they, they just needed yeah. to hear my voice, all right?
2: Yeah. Some people
3: yeah. out there who are so alone that they need that, that reassurance. I don't even know what I say to them half the time. I don't think I have to say too much because in like four minutes or five no. minutes, they're asleep. And that's okay. Yeah. That's good. That's doing our job. Yeah. That's what that contact is Well, people
2: don't for. understand that a lot of times it's just, it's just listening to somebody that hasn't probably been listened to their whole life. You know, it's mm-hmm. just listening to them and letting them talk. A lot of times people figure out their own. Because I believe everybody has an inner voice that, you know, They don't listen Uh to me, and sometimes they just got to talk it out. I mean, I went to Al-Anon, and they let me talk. Nobody interrupted me, and nobody gave me advice, and nobody told me what to do. And afterwards, I I cried. (laughs) It's it's never happened in my life before, you know? You know what
3: Al-Anon did for me? Are you ready for this?
2: (laughs) Sure.
3: I was have this is with my first husband, okay. He was he was really okay. an alcoholic, heavy duty and he was also a yeah. gambler and he hid that
2: very mm-hmm. well,
3: okay. Till the end, yeah. And I just know that I had no money and all this other stuff, but I didn't know what was going on and he wouldn't let me see a paycheck either. So oh, okay. My yeah. My kids were tiny then, so I couldn't go out and work, we only had one car, the typical you know, blah blah blah. Yep. So anyway I went to Alon, and uh I actually got the nerve after listening to all those stories. It gave me enough yep. nerve to leave.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. To leave.
3: Yeah. So I didn't cry, honey. I left. Okay? Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And that's okay, yeah. too, and, because sometimes uh, we have is, to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I know some uh, gals that went to L Anon and decided to leave, you know. Oh, what are those people telling you in L Anon to leave me? I was like, No, we uh-huh. don't tell people we might suggest get safe. You know. Um uh-huh. uh-huh. like that, you know, can you get safe if we feel they're in danger? That's one thing. Right. But but we don't tell people I mean there are people that tell people, but that's not that's not an L Anon way to do it. The all and way to do it is let people come to their own decisions. And, like, when I started working at the battered women's shelter, they said, don't tell women what to do. They've been told what to do. The whole relationship they were in, you know, this mm-hmm. is going to be new for them, for you to say, here's the information, and you get to make the choice yourself. Right. And every well, it's to me because they got abused again. And it's like, you know what, have you ever made a mistake? And that not mm-hmm. one would say that
0: they've made a
2: mistake, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know. We need to be there to support people, um, whatever their choices are. And, right. and be there when, when they they fall on their face, we help them up, you know, like my grassroots organization is called the Helping Hand for Healing Souls and I tell people, I don't give a hand out, I give a hand up. You know. Right.
3: Absolutely. And that's where yeah. I, look at I it. like that. Uh-huh. I yeah. like that. But you see, there's we, no don't, different we
2: don't give money away with NASA, but we we give as much support uh-huh. as we can, and a lot of times it's just, you know, like for me being a parent, I wish there was something out there like that that, you know, like preventing child abuse, because I didn't have anything uh-huh. like that 40 years ago when I, you know, gave birth to my daughter. There well, was nothing else like that. Mine wasn't 40 babies. years ago. But <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. know.
0: Yeah.
3: But, you know, listen, it's only been, yeah. I, I think, I think I could be wrong. I think it's only been really like the last, I don't know, eight or ten years that people have really started talking about child abuse, you know what I'm saying, where it's gotten so heavy. And um, because even 12 years ago when I started NASCA and I had written my book, um, you know, people were still too quiet, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so I've seen over the years now that there are a lot more people talking about child abuse. And I think one thing... You know, with all of these groups that we have out there, it's, it's important, mm-hmm. and also too, yeah. I think it's very, very, very important to have the parents get over themselves. Hello, you yeah. know their embarrassment, and, and talk to their children in an appropriate, age-appropriate way about the perverts yeah. out there, the sex offenders, what to look out mm-hmm. for, because that's I think it's we okay teaching others. Mm-hmm. You know, how to talk to their children. We have that on our website. David yep. Pittman. Um, if you look up mm-hmm. David Pittman, he talks about ways to speak to children to you know, forewarn mm-hmm. them. Um, I have in front yeah. of me ten reasons parents don't discuss child sexual abuse. I used that once years oh, ago. Oh, would you
2: like to read them? We'd like to read them. It was
3: yeah, sure, absolutely. Okay. And we could, I want people, I want them to get over being bashful. We don't live in a bashful world, Victoria. We don't. Yeah. All right, this was written no. by Jill Story, Huh? No, we don't. This was written by no. Jill Storyshevsky. I have a hard time saying her last name, but I think that's right. Um, she was a prosecutor of child abuse and sex crimes in New York City for the past 16 years. This is on our website and prevention specialist, I have heard all the reasons why parents don't discuss child sexual abuse prevention and their children. I have heard them so often that I can recite them by heart. In honor of April's Child Abuse Prevention Month, which is coming up, I decided it would be a good idea to memorialize the top reasons why parents choose not to discuss the subject. This is something we can talk about right now and make a show out of, if you'd like to. Oh,
2: Annie. that'd be great. Yeah, because we we'll weren't be quite sure what the topic Yeah.
3: Well, ask Annie, Annie? all right.
2: Are you still now, there?
3: I'm in. That's fine. Okay, good. Um, I don't know exactly where I got this from off the website. and I'm there that way. I just, you know, copied it at the time. So I have papers because I was handing this out, all right? So I have one right here. It says, now, mind you, these are the myths Okay, the this and then the truth, all right? Now, according to United States Census for Disease Control, in the United States, one in four girls and one in six boys, we know now that this is different because of all the population in our country, let's leave it at that. So we're gonna say one in three girls and one in four or five boys are sexually abused by the time they are 18. Consider those numbers for a moment. They are shocking and devastating. Those figures alone should motivate parents to seek out prevention strategies. This kind of thing doesn't happen where we live. This is what parents say. This kind of thing doesn't happen where we live. Actually, child sexual abuse has no socioeconomic boundaries. It doesn't care if you are black or if you are white, whether you are rich or whether you're poor, what religion you practice, it can creep in when you least expect it. That's the truth part of it. Not this kind of thing doesn't happen where we live. It happens everywhere. Okay. Right. Here's here's number three. We don't let our children go near strangers. Okay. Um, what do you think about that? We don't let our children go near strangers. Do you think that's true? That people well, actually are that go ahead.
2: Well, like I was saying, you know, when, when I was growing up, I was stranger danger and it was a crazy guy behind the bushes, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but I was being abused by family members, close family members and neighbors. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the strangers were the teachers and the police officer and somebody that might have been able to help me, I was told not to talk to. (laughs) So, yeah, so, you know, don't be around strangers, um. That, um, because we found out the statistics that only 3% of the kids that are abused are actually abused by strangers. The rest are family members, close family members, friends of the family, people the kids know. So you are not really protecting them by saying don't That's be right. around strangers.
3: Okay, yeah. now here's here's the, um, uh, the, the not in this part. You're absolutely right because... Now it says 93. The, the, the uh, actual percentage is higher, though, now today. It says actually 93% of child sexual abuse occurs at the hands of someone known to the stranger, or to the child, I'm sorry, and trusted by yeah. the parents. Even if a mm-hmm. child is never around strangers, he or she could be victimized by a neighbor, a coach, a religious official. We know all this already. Or a family member. Parents who teach only stranger danger are doing a disservice to their child. See, this is why I'm so hot and heavy on them, the, the parents getting over that. You have to yeah. teach them more than that, okay? All right, here's number, myth well, number four. We've got
2: to break those myths. You know, those myths are what people, you know, if, if they don't understand yeah. the issue, and they don't take the time to understand the issue, they're not going to know. They're just going to know That's what they've right. always been told.
3: I had that happen in, t- in my family with my children, my kids. Right? Oh, I, don't, I don't. I don't want to tell. Uh, I'm just going to say. I'm not going to say their names. I'm not going to say sure. Susie and Jimmy. You know um, mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know that we live in a terrible, dangerous world. Or they're going to be scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, see the, pro- that, the problem there is if you don't tell them, they won't be yeah. forewarned. And if you right. do tell them tell them the right way. Mm-hmm. David Pittman, like I said, yeah. he tells you how to talk to your children. And yeah. uh, so they, they say, say... there's oh,
2: danger out there, but you can been also in the same breath state, and there's good things out there, too, you know? and that's right. And we don't have to just, like, oh, everything's horrible, and i make sure my kid knows everything's horrible, you know? And, I, and mm-hmm. it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, there are good people, there are good things, and don't forget to tell them that, too, you know? And, like... My my granddaughter, you know, she she was out and she has anxiety a lot and, and was under a table one time, and I went down under the table and sat with her and said, um, hey, honey, I said, uh, what's going on? Well, I just don't feel safe. And I says, uh, well, your mom's thinking about going home pretty soon anyway. Oh, that's really good because I feel safe in my house. And I said, oh, I'm so glad to hear that. You know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, That's right It made me feel good That I could talk To a 13 year old About about stuff that was Never talked to With me You know To reassure Luca that Yeah You can be safe Well number four myth
3: Uh, Right Um, Yes That's right Number four myth Is my child Is not old enough For this discussion What do you think of that? Wow. My child is not old
2: enough for well, this discussion. I tell you what, I went over to my grandparents' house. My daughter was four. And my grandfather, you know, tapped her on her butt. Just like an innocent tap, you know. She turned around and put her hands on her hips and says, Grandpa, don't put, touch me on my butt. That's my private part. And, and I said, okay, honey, we're going. And we left. And I said, I am so proud of you for saying that. Even though it was an innocent Thing, I felt really proud of my daughter that she could, you know, that she knew she could say that and she knew that I was going to stand up for what, you know, for her.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you that's know, instead right. of that's saying, important.
2: oh, it's just grandpa, don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I wanted her to know that we were leaving and he never did it again. Good. You
3: know? That's wonderful. Yeah. And that's And she the was the right four, So
2: we had already went through the bunny book with the bathing suits, you know. Because that was age appropriate. Okay. Nobody touches you on any place that your bathing suit covers, you know. And and so you know she knew that.
3: That's good. That's good. That's even when you have yeah.
2: your bathing suit on your clothes on or whatever, nobody touches you on CDs, these parts, you know. And we went through it, and like um, Naska's got a video on there, and I tell parents this is um, first you watch it and get the information, and then watch it with your mm-hmm. kids. But during uh-huh. the video, I said, tell them if they say stop, or raise your hand or something, stop the video. And you talk about what it was they had to the question. I said, because by the time you get done with the video, they're going to forget those questions. And you might not hear right. those questions, you know. That's and so, you know, I kind of, and then I give them my business card and say, here's the website. And just, you know, go um, on educating our children. So, like, sometimes you got to guide people that find some of that stuff because there is a lot of information on there. But under Protecting Our Children, there is a guide of information. Like you said, uh, that's probably where you got that offer. Or, Or, you know, there are things you can Google to find out. There are so many people out there that are talking about it now that never did. Like my grandma, you know, she didn't know how to talk to me. She didn't know how to protect me. Nothing. I go into bars with them. Guys would sit me on their lap and kiss me and put their hands on my dress and, and oh, follow God. me. And they knew it. They could see it. And they never did anything. And I told my grandma, I don't like when those men do that. You know, I wish I'd stop. And she said, oh, they just do that because they think you're cute. And that was the end uh-huh. of the conversation.
3: Uh-huh. So think of the message yeah. I got.
2: Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. or messages. <sighs> yeah. Well, that's, okay. that's, uh, so that's a good next.
3: point. That's a good point, all right, what you brought up. A lot of times, oh, that's cute. They're they're just showing attention to the person. No, no, no. Um, Look, Mm -mm. their body belongs to them. They're uncomfortable, and it's not right to do that. You shouldn't be putting your hand up some little girl's dress. Were you, stupid? It's a good thing I wasn't there. It says here. Well, we're talking, I was born in 62, so we're talking 66. Talking
2: 66 and my grandparents were born in 1914, 1918. You know, and, and so they they were clueless. Literally clueless of how to protect children. There wasn't protection for children. And then I found out in later years that my grandma was uh raped by her brothers. And you know You see
3: you see you reminded me of something. You reminded me of something yeah.
2: here.
3: Now because I'm a little wacky tonight you have to let me talk. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, but it says here Um, Well, I'm not even going to go to that You just reminded me of something Um, When my granddaughter I can go that far When my granddaughter was Oh, she was about four I'm going to say or five And uh, they were watching TV a lot You know, around that age And uh, the parents would have on those programs The dancing programs And it's very provocative If you look at it, okay So my little granddaughter Had on this really, really cute um, cowgirl outfit is really cute. Oh. And uh, she's outside my door, and she's dancing, and she's dancing from what she saw on TV. Okay? Yeah, of course. And it was provocative. Know. Now, look, I, right. I'm no prude. We all know this. But I don't want my four-year-old granddaughter standing there doing the bump mm-hmm. and grind the way she was doing it. And, and uh, yeah. all this other stuff, all right? Mm-hmm. So a neighbor was over, whom I didn't like, but she wouldn't stay away. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> she said, oh, look at that look. oh!" I said, no, no, no. I said, look, okay, but don't – what does that look mm-hmm. like to you? I'm not going to say her name. Mm-hmm. She's dead now, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to say her name anyway. Yeah. I said, yeah. I don't like seeing my four-year-old mm-hmm. granddaughter act like that. Yeah, That's not right. right. It's not appropriate. So, I yep. took her and took her inside and made the lady leave and uh she didn't talk mm-hmm. to me for a long time after that, and I was forever grateful yep. but um the point <laughs> is <laughs> but the point is I yeah. had to talk to my 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 son and his you know so forth yeah. um which didn't make me very popular, but I really don't care and and uh, tell yeah. them, don't let her watch mm-hmm. that type of dancing, yeah. Because there's perverts out there. And, again, don't forget, this is in the family. I don't want to scare them. It says you're actually the appropriate age to begin the discussion about child sexual abuse and prevention is when a child is three years old. Now, this is coming from Jill. She's a prosecutor in New York, all right? The conversation can start as simply as, did you know that the parts of your body covered by a bathing suit are private and are for no one else to touch? Continue the conversation by explaining to the child that he should tell mommy or daddy or a teacher if yeah. someone touches him or her in those private parts. Mm-hmm. Be sure to include right. any necessary exceptions for potty training. Now, some kids need potty training. You know, they need help. Yeah. That's different. Right. Uh as long right. as nothing weird happens, all right. Uh, and
2: medication and who is another?
3: Yeah. And and hygiene and and doctor's visits. But I want to tell it people out there that with a pedophile, since this came up with party training, with a pedophile, they this is sick, but it's the truth. They love to watch children urinate. I don't know why. Cuz they're sick in the head, okay? And uh mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's it's a good thing if you have a child like in daycare center to every once in a while, if you can, say on your lunch break, if you can, uh-huh. just drop in unannounced because that keeps yep. the perverts in line, okay, because they don't know when you're going to show up. Yeah. And I think that's, well, that's
2: I read that so I, I came in 20 minutes ahead of time before, and, and I did on purpose. Uh, 20 minutes ahead of time, because my son just seemed so upset about going to daycare, and it was uh-huh. a daycare center, and I came uh-huh. in 20 minutes ahead of time, and I seen the teacher grab him by the neck, back of the neck, and slam his head onto the desk. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Good thing yeah.
3: I wasn't there. I can't stand violence with children. Yeah. I was so violent, violently treated. Well, yeah, I can't you know, handle
2: sometimes it. I get children ahead of things, and then I have to remind myself I'm a nonviolent person. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes
3: uh I don't stay there and I, see, I will not watch violence if I see someone a child no. getting hit, there's something that goes thing yeah. in my head because no. I got hit so many times as a child that yeah. i just yeah. i lurch forward, whether it's right whether yeah. it's wrong, and I don't care no. <laughs> I mean that's just the way yeah. I am, yeah, and uh if the police yeah. come fine because maybe they belong mm-hmm. there, okay. Uh, but uh-huh. we don't know right. we don't know what happens uh-huh. to Victoria after they go home. So you know, we can well, do the certain thing things. Is, if
2: they're treating kids that way in public. What are they doing behind closed doors? Is what I was
3: thinking? That's what. And that's if I see a saying. kid
2: being screamed at, what I do is I go over by the parent and I accidentally knock something off the shelf, and I stop uh-huh. them because they're both looking at me, and I go, Oh, I'm so silly, I knocked that off the shelf. You know, because I don't want to say I'm stupid because I want the kids to think they're stupid if they make a mistake. Oh, I'm uh-huh. so silly. I get so clumsy. Oh, I'll just put it back. And then I wink at the kid.
3: <laughs> well, I, I hear you. I did, that. I did something very yeah. similar to that once. But you know what the proper thing to do? Most stores, yeah. most stores, I guess all of them, I don't know, have security, right? Yeah. You find right. the security officer and you let them know what's happening. Let yeah. him or her handle it. That way it keeps you out right. of it. And and, uh, that will probably have more effect. I Mm -hmm. learned that the hard way. That's the way to
2: do it. If I I ever see a kid being hit, that's the first thing I do. And uh, I was actually in a Zoom meeting one time, and I was facilitating, Mm -hmm. and I said, somebody's got to take over because um, I hear pounding and screaming outside. And I went and looked out my window, and this lady was pounding on the door, and I couldn't Mm -hmm. see anybody. So I thought, well, there must be a kid in there that locked the mom out, you know. And anyway, uh-huh. the door opened and she sat down and all of a sudden I could see her fist going toward the right of the seat, toward the ground. And all I could think of is this kid down there getting beat. So I no, went and I good. took a picture and I got a license plate, but it was the odd-looking car, you know, when just a uh-huh. weird, odd-looking car. It wasn't like the run of the mail time. And then so I called the police right away and they said, did you get a license plate? And I says, no. I says, but I got a picture. He goes, send it to me right away. He goes, did they go north or south? And I go, here's where I live. And they went to the right. <laughs> I don't
0: know oh, the right.
2: You know, you you know uh, that's said, I we'll take too. care of
3: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah.
2: But uh-huh. do as much uh-huh. as you can. You know, like we always say, if you see something, say something. Because I know people that said, oh, yeah, this kid was getting beat outside all the time or putting out in the cold. You know, we were here in Minnesota without shoes on or a coat, left out there for hours. And I'm like, did your, your parents do anything? Or, you know. Didn't anybody do anything? Oh, no, it happened all the time. You know, and one day they just moved away. I said, yeah, somebody probably reported them, child protection, and back then they didn't track them. Probably just picked up and moved somewhere else. They kept doing the same thing, you know. It's everywhere. And this
3: is why, yeah. you know, doing, doing it the right way, absolutely say something, see something, say something, all right, is the right thing to do. And and then also
0: too, say, like
2: the, say that to the right people, like you said, go to the security guard, go to the call yes. the police, call you know, yes. call an official. That's you know, right. Don't handle you it do on something. your own because you might escalate it. Exactly.
3: Yeah. There, you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, I have yes. seen situations. I didn't do this, thank God, but I, I did see it happening because I was going about to do the same thing. Sometimes if you, you know, go up to the people, you, they, they'll start fighting with you, okay? It's none of your business, you know, and bad, that, that, and it can get worse yeah. and worse and worse, all right? That, yeah. So it's better to find someone, you know, like a security officer or, or call the yeah. police if you have to, something like that. Yeah. Okay, let me, let me go on here because um, this goes along sure. with what we're saying here, too. Number five, I don't want to scare my child. How often have I heard that? It makes me so mad. Actually, when handled properly, children find the message empowering and are not frightened at all. Parents do not refrain from teaching traffic safety for fear that their child will be afraid to cross the street. So, too, should we address the subject of body safety. So, you see... That answers questions of people, well, what is the age? I've already told you that from what it says here, three years old. Uh, you know, yep. start talking a little bit about body parts. And, and you know, when kids, when kids know that you're teaching them about what's mm-hmm. right and wrong, about pro- what's appropriate touch, like you yep. were talking about the hand going up the skirt and all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, when they teach you about things, you know, the appropriate way, the mm-hmm. right way, yeah. They know then and that listen. they can come to the parents. They can go to the parents, okay, yeah. and say, hey, look, so-and-so did this to me, and, you know, I don't like it. And then the parents should be able to handle it. All right, number six, mm-hmm. I would know if something... And, and I, I want
2: to say, my too, child. If, you, if you don't know how to respond, there are now people that you can call, you know, and, and say, oh, yeah. okay, my kid came to me, and
0: said,
2: you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's the place. You know, my kid came up to me and said this because when we haven't been, you know, taken care of when we were younger, uh-huh. sometimes we don't want to take care of or protect your own children. So come and ask and say, hey, this." you know, my kid came up to me and said this. You know, how uh-huh. do we react? Because you don't have to react right away. You can think about it and go back to uh-huh. the child. You don't have to uh-huh. do an automatic reaction either. you say, well, you know, let's that's talk more important. That a little either.
3: Right, yeah. you're echoing. By the way, I just want you to know. I don't know why, but you are echoing. Um, so sometimes I talk over you because you're echoing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which voice is yours. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Okay, number six. I would know if if something happened to my child. Well, not necessarily. It says actually, child sexual abuse is difficult to detect because frequently there are no physical signs of abuse. In other words. Well, that's hard to say, isn't it? But like when I was um, sexually abused horribly, I I was bleeding. Um, I had a dress on. It was going down my leg. I mean, you know, you can see things, signs like that. If it's not, as obvious, though. A lot of times kids will act out with their behavior, all right, behavior. Maybe they'll rub against things or they'll say things inappropriately. I've seen that. Um, come out with words that kids their age shouldn't know. Okay, uh, so you have that's more of a behavioral or an outward, you know, like bleeding, like I mentioned, because uh, that's what happens. Yeah. So it's it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. The emotional and behavioral be their here it is. It, it
0: could
2: be
1: their braids right too. Yeah, oh,
2: yeah, it could be their braids. It could be, you know, so yeah. they're just really sad or one. or like you mm-hmm. said, the, they're more outward. Acting than they were before, you know, any kind of change of behavior, you know, sit down with your kid and find out what's going on.
3: There's something going on in that household, maybe. It says the emotional and behavioral signs that may accompany sexual abuse can be caused by a variety of triggers, okay? So, yes, in other words, if a child is being touched inappropriately all the time, Maybe they haven't, been, you know, haven't been actually um, entered. I hate to use that word, but you went, this is our show. Um, but, you know, they, they will show you ways. They'll come up and start rubbing you in a funny spot or, or something, or, or a child their age. They'll go up to that child and, and maybe, in, you know, do inappropriate things. And certainly their mouth can go and they'll say, well, they'll come out with words that you know that they've been around someone who's been teaching them that. And that's unfortunate. (laughs) Number seven, my child would tell me if something happened to him. Actually, most children do not immediately disclose when they have been sexually abused. Contrary to a child who falls down and runs over to tell his parents, a child who has been sexually abused is likely being told not to tell. Well, we know that the perverts tell them not, the pedophiles. Don't tell anyone because no one will believe him or her that people will say it is his fault, it's your fault, you liked it, all right, that the disclosure will cause great sadness in the family and that the behavior Mm -hmm. is their little secret,
2: their secret. Or they'll threaten the family or family members. They'll kill you,
3: too. Sometimes they threaten you. Or I'll tell your (laughs) family,
2: I'll tell your mommy, yep. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. That's right. And See, uh, parents have to be taught these things, evidently, Victoria, because they don't know it. you know? I mean, it's stupid to no. say that. But yeah. they don't know us. Well, it. we had a That's the other night that was
2: talking about, about um, trauma-informed teachers, and she mm-hmm. just gave a whole rundown of, of what they're learning now. And she said, it's really we have to be careful because if kids, say misbehave in school to not automatically call their parents because a lot of times um, when they get home they'll get in trouble you know
0: uh-huh, they'll get uh-huh. you
2: know, hurt uh-huh. because of what uh-huh. happened in school so they try to handle it in school but also when we report it we don't know where it goes you know we don't know we call the officials, but it's not like they give report back yeah the parents you know have you know um, you know are being watched or nothing like that you know so but they report and they, you know, we even had one girl that came on that show and said that she had teachers that bullied her. Not only the kids, but the teachers were, and the ones that uh-huh. would step in to try to protect her, they were bullied. Those teachers were bullied,
0: uh-huh. and, and so they uh-huh.
2: stepping in, you know. And and so that was a vicious circle. And I asked, well, what would that, you know, do now? That teacher would be gone, the one that was bullying, oh, and if there was more yeah. than one, they would all be gone, you know. And it's such a different. We look at things, and she says, "You know, we can either react two ways to kids. We can either um, give them a negative response or a positive response. And you know, all kids want to be is loved and appreciated, you know."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I thought that was so cool. And she even well, that's, revealed that's that very... when she was a kid in Catholic mm-hmm. school that that she re- uh, revealed something that happened to her. She didn't say what it was. But just for a moment, and, and then she said, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for that teacher. She didn't have to reveal a whole bunch, but she revealed right there that was something was going on in her home. And she told the teacher, you can, and it made you all the difference find, in the world.
3: You can find, you can find wonderful teachers, or, you know, look back, you know, and maybe you've had wonderful teachers, you know, some of them. And then you'll find those teachers, and and they made a big, you know, like in my case, uh, I needed someone to lift me up because I never got any of that at home. And I had one teacher who was so kind, and um, so mm-hmm. she knew something was wrong. Okay, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. So she was very good to me, and I'll never forget that teacher. And she never judged me, all right? She was a nice person, and I'll always remember that. And then you have teachers that, like you say, are bullies, uh, yeah. and they try to, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, like embarrass you. When I went to school in yeah. New York, I, was, I, you know, I lived in New York for a while, for quite a while, actually, off and on. But in Staten Island, I had this one teacher, and um, in those schools, they had first group, second group, and third group. Well, the first group were the top students. Second group were the, you know, the regular students that had regular grades, C, Bs, whatever. And then the bottom, of course, were those that were failing, Ds and Fs, say. Well, I was in the top group for quite some time throughout school, but then all of a sudden bad things happened at home with one of my siblings, and uh, no one cared. Well, like you said earlier, my grades went way down and uh, that stupid teacher, an uncaring teacher, instead of trying to find out what was wrong, just simply announced to yeah. the class, well, now Carol, she was in the top group, but now she's in the bottom group. She's going to be if she keeps it up. And I remember, so um, you had the humiliation and fear at home. But- And then you go to school and you have a stupid teacher like that who can't see, that maybe there's something Mm -hmm. wrong at home, okay? So um, I got myself back up anyway. It didn't matter. But the point is I went through that.
0: Mm -hmm. And
3: uh, I didn't get myself back up to the top group because of what you Mm -hmm. said. I got myself up to the top group because I didn't like being (laughs) in the bottom group. But, you know, sometimes teachers can do more harm. And good.
2: Right. That's my point. Well, I point. was in the slow learning class in school, and um, mm-hmm. we had this teacher that taught math and social studies, and he mm-hmm. went up to one kid one time and apparently knew this kid wasn't getting baths at home and stuff, and he would go into the bathroom and just wash his hands, you know. So the teacher mm-hmm. goes up to this kid and pulls up his sleeve and shows everybody in class, look how filthy this kid is. You know, oh, and then he oh, also really he grabbed grab kids by the hair and grabbed them from the back and dragged them to the uh-huh. back of the groom and banged them through the desks all the way up to the front.
0: Uh-huh. You know, and those uh-huh. kids were
2: afraid to tell their parents because, again, they would get in trouble at home, you know. And another thing he did, he didn't like teaching science. Supposed uh-huh. to be teaching science and social studies. So he put on this song, I don't like spiders and snakes. And he would put in his hand in his pants, and he would be jingling around on his junk in there, you know,
0: uh-huh. and
2: dancing around singing a song. And then he would tell dirty jokes. So there was only two girls in this class. All the rest were boys, me and this other girl. And so uh-huh. he told me he dirty jokes, and he raised my hand and said, I really wish you'd stop. And he says, well, if you don't like to go out in the hallway. So me and her went out in the hall, which, like, we were never in trouble. So the principal came by, what are you girls doing in the hall? I said, well, I don't want to be in there. He's telling dirty jokes. And the principal uh-huh. opened up the door and a real whopper, punchline, you know. And uh-huh. that was uh-huh. it with telling jokes. That didn't stop him from, you know, him doing that. And then we had to go into private. He was also the music teacher and had to go into private with him to do our music coaching. Right. And, and I got I got really sick one day and I got laryngitis and I didn't go to the, the music class, you know, the instruction. Never did anything uh-huh. to me in those, but I wondered if he did with other kids, you know. And anyway, I didn't go to it. And he said, I'll decide whether or not you go to singing class or not. And he kicked me out of uh-huh. choir. In a way, uh-huh. I was glad. <laughs> you know, I only had him for science and social studies. But it was horrible.
3: Uh-huh.
0: It was
2: horrible. Uh-huh. And, and I didn't uh-huh. feel that I could go to anybody and tell him what he was doing in class, you know, because... That was just him, and nobody else seemed to think that nothing was wrong with it. Yeah. It, it bothered me. Yeah. But yeah. back then, you know, you do not go tell parents something when you're little and, and they didn't protect you then, you know. He wasn't doing something directly to me like touching me. So, you know, uh-huh. I was being touched when I was little, and nobody was doing anything. You know, That's my right. neighbor... Um, You know, was messing around with all the neighbor kids and raped a three- and four-year-old girl. And the big cop comes around to all the kids in the neighborhood and asks if he touched us, you know. And Uh uh, uh I looked over at my grandma and she says, if he did anything, if he touched you in your dirty place, probably, she said. (laughs) You know, who knows what she said. Um, You better tell the officer. And I looked up and she was, like, looking scared and sad all at the same time. So I said, yeah, he did. And then she, like, pulled me inside and nothing was said. All of a sudden, okay. she says, tomorrow you're going to go talk to the judge. And you've got to tell him the truth the so whole way down there. Tell him the truth, tell him the truth, tell him the truth, and you're going to be a trouble." And so I got down there, and I'm in the judge's chambers by myself. And, he, you know, uh-huh. he's in the big chair, uh-huh. and I'm sitting in this little chair. And so he says, what did Mr. Belt do to you? And, uh-huh. and I told him. He put his hand down my pants and touched my pee And the uh-huh. judge says, I don't uh-huh. understand. Show me. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. I did because obviously the judge didn't understand, you know, and then I felt just like I was at Mr. Bell's house, except I was doing it myself, you know, and I didn't tell my grandparents because, you know, I mean, the judge told me to and I was supposed to tell them the truth and obviously didn't understand. Now, now Uh there'd be something in that room with the kid, or if something happened, it would be, you know, after. I don't know. It would be more out in the open if my grandparents had even gave a shit they asked me what happened. I won't have told them, you know, but, but there was no help. And uh, so, you know, I think back and wonder how my life would have been different if things were handled differently, healthier. You know, maybe if I had gotten therapy. Maybe if I had found out I was sexually abused before I, I was raped right before I was a year old,
0: uh-huh. penetrated before
2: uh-huh. I was a year old. You know, uh-huh. um, maybe I'd known that moment when I started therapy, my, my therapy could have went a whole different direction. And I kind of got help a lot well, and you then, see that's
3: something i i think I think a lot of us do that, you know, like m- some parents are not meant to be parents, we know this and and then when they have children all right they they um they don't handle things properly, and a lot of them quite frankly just don't get a damn on, enough they just simply yeah. don't and and um then the child grows up totally dysfunctional. You know, and they right. have all kinds of problems. And then we, you know, we tend to think, well, this happened to me, that happened to me, and nothing was, like you said, was done about it. So therefore, I guess yeah. it's not too bad. So then um, that's how time, many times kids become promiscuous. Yeah. Because what the yeah. heck? You know, things happened at home.
2: Well, I don't like that. And word no because one did anything it's, about it's, that. It's women and children that, that are called promiscuous. And it's men that are well, not.
3: <laughs> anyway, I don't like well, that
2: word. You know. Okay. Um, you use they act, whatever word you, want, because, you? Because, Well, they act out mm-hmm. sexually because, um, uh-huh. like you said before, um, somebody taught him something. You know, this one right. guy I heard Learned said something like, well, okay. this four-year-old was sitting on my lap and, and um, um, was acting sexually and, and wanted me to touch them. And I'm like, right. are you freaking out of your mind right. that somebody, right. you know, to even think that way, where the uh-huh. hell did he learn that, you know? Well, but I went to that parenting classes when my daughter was little. My daughter was uh-huh. little. I went to parenting classes, you know, my grandma's like, why do you because they raised me? And I, she goes, why are you going to parenting classes? I go, because I want to be a better parent. And, and she goes, well, I never went to parenting classes. And you turned out just fine. Well, I decided mm-hmm. to make up a uh a, a pseudonym or whatever you call it for fine fine up insecure, neurotic, and emotional yeah, I'm fine <laughs> I'm right away, right you know. I'm mm-hmm. fine I'm in the you know you know psych word all the time I was locked up in a psych mental psych world for I don't know how long you know, but yeah, I'm fine, <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: you know see that that's what happens we we attend we tend yeah. like when things happen to us to take it. And uh, because, you know, we didn't have proper bringing up, okay? People in right. our family should have been irate. They should have been, you know, gone after yeah. the individuals, you know, whether it be kids, it can be older kids, or or whether it's, uh, you know, an adult, you know, and, and mm-hmm. stop it, you know, do the right thing. Yeah. But uh, instead so they tend way, to they ignore to it. Us. Yeah. yeah, they're not there to protect us. So then we grow yeah. up and our own thought process then becomes twisted. I always like to use the word twisted yeah. because that's the way it is. It's twisted. Yeah. And and it's yeah. going in the wrong direction, okay? Mm-hmm. And so then we do go out and and behave in certain ways that maybe are not yeah. appropriate, and then later on mm-hmm. we find out, you know, we realize that those ways were not appropriate by whatever means that that happens, mm-hmm. then we feel guilty yeah. about the way that mm-hmm. we behaved. And then I always say yeah. to people, look, wh- look where you came from. And I don't care if that does mean wrong. Well, okay? Yeah. Well, I so, tell people
2: about regret. Yeah. I tell them, you know what? You only mm-hmm. function with the information you had at the time. I said, and I was given bad information and outright lied. To you. So how was mm-hmm. I supposed to know how to behave? I believed all my life the one reason that I was put on this earth was to sexually satisfy men. And I believed this to my core. Until uh-huh. I started therapy. And that's the thing. If you don't like the way you're acting or reacting, as I say, then then uh-huh. you can change. You can get help. But it's not something that happens overnight. And it's not, not something a lot of times you can do by yourself. And that's why I recommend that people go to therapy. We got Annie on the other line, too. So let's, we've kind of been monopolized. Let's let Annie get a few words in here. <laughs> How you doing, that's Annie?
1: That's okay. I know. I don't need to. I don't need to add anything. I'm happy listening. Thank you. Um, no, okay. Do you have any questions? If you have a question for me, but otherwise I don't have anything. Okay. All right.
2: Um, does well, you, does you know, any of that resonate with you, Annie? I mean, can you, um, do you think of anything when we're talking about about these things, especially with like educating kids and what's your viewpoint on all that?
1: Yeah, I remember, I remember being afraid to tell my kids about homosexuality. Which mm-hmm. is odd because I'm I'm you know, an open minded person with a gay brother right. and so um yeah. I am I'm, I'm for right and everything because of that. Mm-hmm. And but I couldn't my yeah. I was stopped. I just couldn't do it. Um yeah. as far as abuse we did the bathing suit thing. Um, yeah. but no, I never really talked about it. But I, I didn't have my memories until I was mm-hmm. in my forties. So Hey guys. Yeah.
3: Hey, hey, hey. Listen, I gotta leave uh, the phone for a second. I'll be right back. Sure. Keep
2: talking. <laughs> okay. Yes, thank you. Hon. Yeah. So, um, what was it like for you? Did you get uh um good, bad touch or did you get uh any kind of education, like did your parents, school, anything like that? Did you get any kind of education on uh, your body is your body and nobody has a right to touch it inappropriately? Me? No.
1: No, not yeah. at all. And um, uh-huh. I remember the only thing I remember ever learning about sex was all the girls had to go to a little meeting. Mm-hmm. And I remember yeah. not understanding. What they were talking about, I did yeah. not understand. Didn't know what they were talking about. That's the only thing about sex yeah. I ever learned.
2: Um, yeah. So no, well, nobody, you know, nobody, nobody took one of to those classes. My, they had a permission slip the parents had to sign for the girls to go to those classes. And my grandma got that permission slip and says, "You're not going there to learn about those dirty things." <laughs> 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 now when I got my period, yeah, when I got my period. I was mowing lawns for a neighbor, making money. I came home and I Good had blood running down my pants, you know, and my grandfather said, did you run yourself over the lawn mower?" And I'm thinking, no, I bleed to death, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't know why. And I look back and I said, wouldn't my pants be like ripped up? I don't know. So my grandma grabs me and pulls me down the steps into the bathroom and so says, sit there. And I am, and I'm bleeding. Goes upstairs and tells my grandfather something. He takes off in the car, comes back. And with a bag, she brings it downstairs, hands it to me. Says the instructions are in the bag. So I open it up, and here's the sanitary napkins, and and the belts, you know. And so I in the, the directions, put <laughs> the thing on. I still don't know what the hell's going on. So then I come up, and she goes, "Well, that's the curse of women. <laughs> you know, you just got the curse of women, or something like that." That was it. That. that was my oh. introduction. Your period. I didn't even know until I had. My daughter and my daughter was in her teens, and I was reading up about it. That your period comes every twenty-eight to thirty days. I never knew that. And and so yeah. I'm in school, and I would start bleeding, and I would have oh, to go Lord to the David. nurses, wipe off the seat, go to the nurses' office, and tell the nurse, mm-hmm. and she would call my grandmother, who didn't drive. She had to go to the neighbor's house and bring me a new pair of pants. So you think those kids are me a new pair of pants every twenty-eight to thirty days? <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well
3: you see that, that that's a, fool. a real fault to the parents, all right? Um and in your in your case it'd be your grandparents, because you were with them mostly from what I'm understanding here. Yes. from your uh, old, yeah. You know, yeah. That they didn't uh, you know, didn't sit down and talk to you. See this is what's wrong. Parents yeah. have got to do I hate to put it this way, they have mm-hmm. got to do a better job. And they just yeah. simply do. It doesn't you know? Forget about how you were brought up. You have you brought no, you children don't into the world.
2: Yeah.
3: And there's enough information out there
2: You know, to explain. Yeah. There's enough information out there. You know, so mm-hmm. so being saying I don't know or I didn't know, um, that's fine. You didn't know, okay? What about mm-hmm. today? You can find out. You can know. You can ask questions. You can ask Google just about anything. You know, and not you if it has got a phone and not if it has got a computer, but there are parenting classes. There are a whole lot of resources out there that must talk to the doctor, you know. Say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I think my daughter's probably going to be starting her period. What do I say? You know, mm-hmm. well, um, mm-hmm. you know um, how do I prevent this or that? You know, that's why professionals are there. Don't be afraid to ask. Uh, you know, but we get into our shame or whatever that we're, afraid to even ask the questions, ask the questions, you know, <laughs> that makes sense.
3: Well, we're not doing our children any favor by being that way. And I had to really straighten my family out that way because, uh, like I was yes. saying before, um, okay, they knew my past. When I wrote my book, I sat my kids down and I explained everything that went on in my life, period. And they were shocked because they had different, speaking of grandparents, they had different, you know, uh, relationships with my mother and stepfather. mm -hmm. I had a whole life before I grew up, you know, and mine was good. My kids came along, and I have to admit, they stepped up, and they were pretty good to them. Yes, they were. So they were shocked. But I'm a person, too, you see? And I had to go through Uh all of my... Um, you know, all my problems that I was living with and within myself, all the sexual abuse, the physical abuse, the mental mm-hmm. abuse, and, and the neglect and, and the bullying in school, and my way of handling bullying in school with the punch, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I punched many people in the school, believe me. <laughs> that is the yeah. way it is. It says here, we never My mom said I had to alone. beat them
2: up before they beat me up, yeah. Oh, Yeah. yeah.
3: But let, let me get
2: back and to it. I didn't, answer, know, you know, I didn't know we were born until I went to school and the kids told me. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs> okay. Let's, I want to I
3: get this out of my way so I can put it away. Okay. Number eight, we never leave our child alone with adults. Okay. Actually, children can be sexually abused by other children. That's something I want to get out there, too. See, kids, they don't realize, like, an older kid can sexually abuse a younger child. Statistics yep. say that by the time you're 14 years old, okay, this is the new um, information on this. By the time a uh, say a I'll say a boy, it can be a girl too, all right. But say by the time a boy is 14 years old, he may not act out because he doesn't want his peers to find out he's a weirdo, okay. So he'll control himself usually until, I'm going to say around 18. Around there, 18, he'll start being, you know, really sexually abusing little children. However, it can happen before that. With my brother, I was five years younger than he, and I was nine when he started sexually abusing me. Nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. All right, so he was 14, and nothing held him back, okay? He didn't care about his peers. So I want people to understand out there, that um, sexually abuse isn't always done by an adult. It can happen with children and with older children. The very same lessons can be can help prevent child or children from being sexually abused by adults. Can keep them safe from other children. So right, what we're talking about with the adults, it also applies to older children. Okay, it says teach children that touch is appropriate and what isn't appropriate. What touch is appropriate and what isn't appropriate? Teach them the proper terminology for their private parts. Now, we talk about, right. um, you know, the bathing suit and all this other stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Look, if we can get parents to get as far along to, you know, to do what they're supposed to do with their mm-hmm. children, if they feel comfortable <clears throat> saying bathing suit area, okay. At least they're teaching them something, all right? Yeah. That's the way I look right. at it. But it's... Too. Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it says teach them the proper terminology though for their private parts. Look, I've been mm-hmm. sexually abused so many times in my life. Now in, in, in New York, I still didn't know what my vagina mm-hmm. was. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what it was called. Mm-hmm. All right, so I had to do a lot yeah. of pointing. And uh, yeah. this is in the police department, and they said to me, mm-hmm. "Well, what did he he teach? What did he touch mm-hmm. you with?" And well, what the heck am I yeah. supposed to say? No one told me what body yeah. parts were called.
0: No. So I pointed no. to this guy's no.
3: crotch. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. I pointed to one of the police officers' crotch. I didn't know what else yeah. to do. All right? That's right.
0: That's right. And so they got yeah. the
3: idea that way. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so all yeah. right, uh, their private parts, and teach them who they can talk to if anyone touches them in a way that makes them feel yeah. uncomfortable. Well, we've we've covered that. Look, if you yeah. have parents if you have parents that teach you right and care enough to teach you right, I'm gonna put it that way, all right. And they get over right. their bashfulness and realize why it's so important right. to teach your children. Right. All right. Then yeah. they're not gonna be children that haven't been taught and they'll be able to yeah. come to you yeah. and feel comfortable coming mm-hmm. to you and say, This is what mm-hmm. happened. And that makes the yeah. bond between children and parent much stronger.
2: Okay, it makes it well, much Well, when they get stronger. older, they can come to you too. If, if you're talking to them when they're kids, you know, about their feelings mm-hmm. and about what makes them hurt or, or scared or whatever. But I do want to tell you a story about body parts and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, my son goes, That, that lady yeah. got. A, that lady at the store had a baby in her. Has a baby in her tummy, and I says, No, she has it in her uterus. And he says, "Well, when I grow up, I'm gonna have a baby in my uterus." And then I said, uh, "Rick boys don't have uteruses." And he had a fit.
0: <laughs> 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 oh
2: my and God! But <laughs> so we're almost at a time here, so um, Annie, um, do, yeah, um you know, to God bless all survivors, or of or you you and, and all the children of the world. And uh, Amy's good, or Amy's good at uh, doing the music, so I'm gonna let her take us out. Okay. okay, thanks you everyone.
3: To...
1: And what,
2: what
3: time yeah, is you. it? What time is thank you, it? Time is it? Up. Okay. All We've right. got um, 40
1: seconds left. I'll just oh say Our, yep. our cool. Stop a child thank you, Annie. Now thank scan you radio is okay, on five please. nights a week at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and okay. you're always welcome to call in and be a participant. And my name is Annie Margis and I'm going to take us out with the music. Good night. Good night.